In these bleak days, humanity is at a breaking point. Economies are tanking. The woke mob is canceling everything. And the little guy who's just trying to run a small business is getting screwed from both ends. But not all is lost. Amidst the chaos, two men offer up their voices in the darkness, dropping 2,000-pound laser-guided truth bombs on today's lunacy. Introducing the Sirens of Sanity, David Pridham and L. Bradley Sheaf. One Night in Bangkok. That is a blast from the past. I was, I believe, a freshman at the classical high school. The classical high school purple was the mascot, the purple. And uh, oh, very, nice. very politically correct at the time, purple. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I, the, the song was was a, a hot song. Of course, the group Murray had went on to do many great things, uh, culminating with a an induction into the uh, – Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but uh, where were you? Because people remember where they were for the Kennedy assassination. Uh, you know when Ted Kennedy killed that girl on that bridge, mm-hmm. uh, Reagan's shooting, of course, the Red Sox winning the World Series. But, but Brad, where were you when you first heard Murray had sing "One Night in Bangkok"? Well, I was a senior in high school in 1985, and I was walking between my calculus and physics classes, and they were pumping it into the hallways, because even at that time, everybody knew that Murrayhead was going to be huge and was going to be a household name, which it remains to this day. And so, you know, they were just playing it into the hallways, which was not common. They didn't normally play music in between classes um, but um, the vice principal in charge of student discipline understood that not only would was he giving us a cultural experience that was going to allow us to see the genius of Murray had, but that he was also going to create a calm, peaceful environment as we all contemplated what we would do if we had just one night in Bangkok as we were passing from third to fourth period. No, no one could really spend. I've never been to Bangkok. You, of course, have. Um, but can anyone really just spend one night in Bangkok or isn't it sort of mandatory? You're there at least a week to 10 days, but I, I would, I don't know the answer to that. The, the one time I was in Bangkok, we were transiting to Northern Thailand to, uh, conduct an exercise there. And, uh, I think we actually did only spend one night in Bangkok. I will tell you that five minutes in Bangkok is too long. It's too long. I enjoy Thai food, but the food is better in the Provence of Thailand, if you will, than it is in Bangkok. Bangkok is, uh, it's all the bad of Las Vegas. And if there is any good in Las Vegas, it's none of that. So I was, I was pleased to (laughs) push that. And it's, I wish I saw one of the guys took a picture and if I could find it, I will send it to you. But not very much above your head. And of course, this was years and years ago. This was in the 90s, but not very much above your head in on like light poles in Bangkok are these just spiders nests of cabling for power, phone, whatnot. And all of it's exposed. It's not contained in any sort of box or cylinder. There's just dozens of wires all running to one place 
and then what appears to be somewhat haphazardly connected with exposed metal. If you just reached up above your head, you would explode in a shower of sparks. And so I'm not, uh, yes, yeah, just again, this was the 90s. So it may, may be safer now, but back then you were taking your life in your hands in Bangkok. And I wonder how much time Murray Head spent in Bangkok. I mean, these are all questions. One night. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe not. Maybe they spent more than one night. Maybe they were there. There was a, that big movie years ago about the kid that went there for like a bachelorette party or a bachelor party or just to get high, I guess. And uh, he got arrested with um, marijuana and then they put him to death. I think that was Bangkok. Could have been Singapore, but it, anyway, it's the same place, right? I mean, it's the same place. It doesn't matter. But yeah, I don't know that that may be stretching the geography a bit. I don't remember the movie, but I can almost guarantee you that again, from my brief excursion through the metropolis of Bangkok, that you ain't getting put to death for smoking pot there. And people were doing pretty much what they wanted to do there. Yeah, it could have been West Texas too. Uh, of could course, David yeah. Pridham and Brad Sheaf, we are here on the iHeart Radio Network. Uh, and we, of course, we do mean business. Excited to note that next week we will once again be in the lavish uh, uh, studio where the studio audience will be there, including one uh, assistant to the producer, Patrick Aloysius Anderson, will be back uh, doing stupid human tricks. So we are looking forward to that. And of course, uh, you can learn more about us on our website, ipfrequently.com. And uh, you can follow us anywhere you consume social media. Uh, and, and all you have to do is look up at IP underscore frequently, all lowercase. But if you mix in some uppercase, it's fine. And uh, we're excited about that. Excited to be on the social media. Excited to be at the iHeartRadio Network, and uh, of course, you can get this podcast wherever you uh, uh, consume podcasts. If you're consuming you know, social media, you may as well also consume a podcast or two. This should be one of them. It gets you all of your fiber and 50% of your daily protein intake. And then once you do consume the podcast, subscribe, rate, review, and recommend. Uh, tell a friend, tell several, and then they too can get their sustenance from the IP Frequently We Mean Business Pritaman Sheep podcast. Correct. All of that is correct. Of course, we always start our show with uh, the um, uh, the two big news stories of the week, the two things that everyone is or will be talking about. Uh, and uh, we ask you to take notes, copious if you can, and, uh, and then take those notes with you wherever you go and then just start regurgitating our talking points. Don't get it wrong because then you'll make us look stupid, but you'll look very smart. This week, the big news so far in the week, uh, and, and of course, depending on when you hear us, that's where we are in the week, um, is that there have been some big changes in the way people are going to be getting their news going forward, right? And we talked about chat GPT, and we talked about uh, you know all this great stuff with AI, um, but some of the old traditional media icons are no more. Come to find out, Brad, that the folks at CNN have fired, have fired Don Lemon. Don Lemon, of course, uh, from CNN, he used to have a nighttime show where he uh, was very, very left-leaning in his approach. He then was moved to the morning show, and lo and behold, he was also left-leaning there, and he sparked controversy recently when he uh, uh, said that Nikki Haley, of course, the uh, 
uh, Trump secretary of the United Nations, also has strangely white teeth. Um, he said she was uh, uh, past her prime, even though she's, I believe, 50 years old or thereabouts. Um, and he started talking about women, strangely enough, started talking about women being in their prime in their 20s and early 30s, um, sparked outrage with the uh, with, with a bunch of uh, women. And, and so CNN let him go. And if, probably not the best. Um, I mean, he was sitting between two female co-hosts at the and, time. Yeah, <laughs> at the time. And so he um, you know, he sort of stepped into it. And they were both like, wait a minute. And then he, he, he doubled down. He said, listen, he said. You know, women clearly hit their peak in their 20s and early 30s. So they they get on the air and almost like a hostage video. They uh, read a statement. The two women who are really two left read a statement basically thanking him for his uh, service and, and announcing mm-hmm. that no one would ever see him on CNN again. And then not to be outdone, uh, Tucker Carlson, who like, you know, unlike Don Lemon, Don Lemon, no one listens to or watches Don Lemon, except when he says something stupid and then they all rally to to protest. But um Tucker Carlson is the number one rated show on all of cable news. He gets three and a half million viewers every single night. But lately, he's been very, very outspoken in his critique of uh, Fox News and his critique of the um, yeah, the way that uh, the news station was being run. And um, I guess some ideological changes that uh, were coming about. And of course, Fox was recently hit with a well actually they were they settled a 787 million dollar defamation suit with that uh uh Dominion no affiliation mm. um although we'll happily jump in and, and participate in the settlement we're looking into that um but Dominion voting machines they, they basically you know a bunch of Fox uh anchors made the case on the air that the, the Dominion voting machines were attached to the internet and somehow uh, Hunter Biden was uh, adding votes for the Democrats via that uh, those online voting machines, and then Biden got elected, and it was all a scam. And um, then they looked at Tucker Carlson's text messages as part of this trial, and he was calling it all BS. And a number of other hosts at Fox were doing the same thing. And uh, you know, lo and behold, Tucker is now no longer at Fox, which I guess is an interesting move from Fox's perspective because that's the number one anchor in all of cable news in his prime much like a 20-year-old woman, as Don mm. Lemon would say. Um, and, uh, and so they, they've removed him. Um, and, and, you know, some people are saying it's, it's potentially part of a sale of the Fox network. But, but it's, it's interesting on the right and the left, some of these stations are taking some of the more controversial people who are on the air and, and removing them. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, I, you know, it would be a good thing to move back towards the middle. It would be an amazing thing to just go back to journalism where you, you know, sort of look out at the events that have occurred across the globe in the preceding 24 hours and say, Hey, audience, you know, here's what happened. You decide for yourself, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to take no perspective on that. We're simply going to advise you because our, Reach is farther than yours, and this is what we do for a living. And so we're going to condense that down, just let you know what happened. That would be amazing. But at least a positive first step would be to say, hey, maybe we'll take the the ideologues and firebrands off of primetime television and, you know, sort of move back toward the middle. My guess is that this is a better thing for Don Lemon than it is for Tucker Carlson in that. There are many, many, many left-leaning media outlets 
where a, you know, gay African-American man might land, right? And find himself a means to perhaps have a second chance. Whereas I don't know where a, you know, right-wing firebrand like Tucker Carlson is going to go. I mean, if Fox News is done with you, where do you go? Well, that's the, I guess that, or, or how do you deliver your content to people? I know Bill O'Reilly um, was the, the predecessor to Tucker Carlson. And he was there for years and he had numbers. He didn't have numbers, I don't think, this high, but he had really, he was the number one show on, on cable TV for a while. He was booted for sexually harassing 20 some odd women. Mm-hmm. Um, so that All was not, were in their prime. I understand. I somewhere, I think some may not have been according to Don Lemon, of yeah. course, but that didn't matter to old Bill. Um, but he, he started some direct to consumer website with like a pay for pay for access type deal. And I mean, I, I don't think he was making 15, 20 million a year at Fox before. I don't think he's making that now. Tucker was making 20, 25 million a year. Uh, he has got a, a a pretty rabid audience, so he'll he'll find a home somewhere. Now, whether or not it's at one of these other stay, it'd be interesting if a, if a station like CNN stepped up and hired him, and then and then took that audience because that that's a massive. Um, well, it's a ma- massive. You know audience. what they could do? They could do Crossfire. They could do a redux of Crossfire. They could put Lemon on one side and Carlson on the other. Some some media outlet had the balls to do that. I mean, imagine those two going after each other. And that would be great. Unfortunately, CNN just fired Don Lemon. Maybe they could do it on their own. Yeah, maybe they could just set up their own version of Cross. I, I, it, they would have to put a like a barrier between those two because it would be seven minutes into the show they'd be throwing hands. They, they, I can't imagine there's any love lost there, but it would be worth watching. I, I don't. I, I, you know what's interesting is that you don't see anything like Crossfire anymore. And if you had something, I mean, that that's an old show from the. 80s it was a great and, show. Yeah. And you see, and you'd have, you'd yeah. have actual debate. Right. None of these shows do you have debate. And when you do have debate, they, people get shouted down either on Fox from the right or on the other MSNBC and CNN from the left. And I think it would be a great idea. Um, but but the, the interesting thing is they literally fired him at the very height of his popularity. And it, and it, and it seems to be, unless some other shoe drops, it seems to be because he went after the folks at Fox and the, the folks at Fox have been trying to take a more moderate um, tact on their um, on their uh, network, especially because, you know, getting hit with a lawsuit where you have to pay eight hundred million dollars out and then having other lawsuits, you also have to defend. Yeah, it's an inter- it, it, it's a, it's an interesting you know dynamic. And, and so, you know, they're taking a little bit more of a liberal tone. The folks at CNN are coming to the middle a little more. But it'll be interesting to see what this guy does. And I think it's it's sort of. Um, it's sort of fascinating that Fox would take that, make that move because, you know, the reality is most people, the only thing they would watch on Fox is Tucker Carlson. Some of the other stuff is very right wing and very, you know, just preaching to the choir type uh, type stuff. Don Lamont, I can't really speak to. I don't don't really follow him that much. But the Tucker thing, I mean, he could do his own show. He could go on another network. He could probably go on. I mean, there are these crazy right wing networks like Newsmax that he could probably go on and just you know, automatically get them, um, you know, millions of more in, in terms of in terms of viewership. So there are a lot of things he could he could do. It'll be interesting to watch. But Fox's stock the day they did this fell by I think it was like five hundred to six hundred million. Their shares shares are down almost six percent 
um, based on this. So it's interesting how one move can have such ramifications. And that's after an adjustment already that was made for the uh, $800 million uh, payout to the folks at Dominion. Yeah. But, and uh, did you say that it was, was that all Tucker Carlson's fault, the Dominion thing, or was that more broadly across many of their, you know, talking heads? I, I think, I don't think it had much to do with Carlson because he, he was one of the people that was calling out like the Dominion thing basically was uh, that group in the White House that circled uh, right. around President Trump when he was you know, sort of a lame duck post-election president in 2020 that was telling him, and this is one of the biggest problems, telling him whatever he wanted to hear, right. and that somehow these machines, these Dominion voting machines, were connected to the internet and were being hacked, and people were hacking and tabulating crazy votes in Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Nevada, Arizona, all these places where they were used. And... Um, but Tucker is one of the guys that actually went after, you know, these crazy people like Sidney Powell or Rudy Giuliani when they came on. He, he basically pointed out they had no evidence. Every time they get to court, they didn't present any evidence. Uh, and he also is, you know, his text messages were used uh, by the folks at Dominion in proving that Fox, at least some of its hosts, knew about this because he was texting people at the time Fox was running with these stories and saying, you know, this is all BS. This is crazy. This is crazy town. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's more that he's been going after the management of Fox and, you know, Fox has sort of been taking a little bit of a shift from the old man down to the kids. And uh, I think they finally just said they had enough, which again, very, uh, very interesting, very ballsy to do, but we'll see where Fox goes from here. But it seems like investors at least are looking at this and saying, no, uh, no bueno. I wonder if those guys pee frequently. We could have them on the podcast. I know Rupert Murdoch does. He might, he has to. He has to. 106. The, uh, of him. Yeah, he's in there all the time. Yeah. Swollen and prostate's unfortunate. But yeah, we should, you know what? Jared can look into that. Maybe what we do is we just include both of those guys on the podcast on a weekly basis. They can have 50% of what we make, buddy. We can cut them in. We'll give them 75%. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, all things like this happen in threes. All things happen in threes. And, of course, after we learn about the Don Lemon firing and the Tucker Carlson firing, we learn that Alyssa Heinerscheid, um, the vice president of marketing for, you guessed it, Brad, Bud Light, who is <laughs> the person that hired Dylan Mulvaney, um, is, uh, is uh, according to Ad Age, which is the uh, newspaper of, of of record, Brad, for all things advertising related ad age has, mm -hmm. quote, taken a permanent leave of absence from uh, from Bud Light after launching the Dylan Mulvaney trans partnership that wiped over six billion dollars off of the uh, uh, enterprise value for Bud Light. Um, she has been replaced by a global marketing VP and the uh, number four hitter in the uh, Bud Light softball team. Todd Allen. So it mm. seems like all things do happen in uh, in threes. A permanent leave of absence. That's a an interesting use of way too many syllables to say that she got fired. Which, I, I mean, again, I don't care where you stand. I don't care if you're Dylan Mulvaney him, himself, her, itself. I, I don't care who you are. If you single, if your job is to sell product and you make the go, no-go decision on an advertising campaign that 
single-handedly and almost instantly wipe $6 billion off the books of your company, then yeah, you're getting fired. But it's, it, it's an interesting, it, it, it is interesting to me how much of an echo chamber, like how these people must not get out, right? Like I happen to live in a very blue county, right? So when I am out and about and, and I live in a county where there's a ton of folks here who don't live here, but then there are certain parts of the year what are commonly called the mud seasons here, where it's only the people who live here, right? So all of a sudden it goes from being this, you know, sort of vast amalgamation of humanity to this very small group of people who actually live here full time. And it's, it's left-leaning. I mean, those are obviously the people who vote here, the folks that, that live here full time. But even in that crowd, you know, that when I'm out at restaurants and, you know, talking with just folks that are sitting around here at the grocery store, whatever you're doing, even in a in a left leaning county, you, you don't find the rabidism for these you know left just talking points, right? These hobby horses that they ride, and it is interesting to me that how much of an echo chamber these folks must be in to say, well, of course we'll sell more beer if we put Dylan Mulvaney on the can. Like, how would we not sell more? Everyone loves this. Everyone is into the trans thing. Everybody loves trans spokespersons like Dylan Mulvaney. We can't help but sell beer if we do this. If you think that, you have not left your house in months, right? Now, again, you you yourself can choose to be as pro-trans as you want to be, but for you to think that the average person in the street in the United States of America, particularly those that are inclined to buy Bud Light in quantity, are going to just be overwhelmed with joy when you roll this out. You you literally haven't left your house. If you're trying to sell light beer, right, you have to go towards you know the audience that's going to drink this light beer, and that you, no one's going to tell me that this this dude is who's like in a bubble bath in a. Uh, I don't know what it is. I don't know. I don't even want to speculate, but in a bubble bath drinking Bud Light, there's no way this person drinks Bud Light. And it certainly doesn't speak to the audience of Bud Light drinkers. I mean, there's a finite audience of people that drink beer, that drink light beer. And you tell me that you would rather have this Dylan Mulvaney, this transgender activist is the face of your brand or someone like John Madden. Obviously he can't do it now, but I mean, someone like that who relates to guys who are drinking Bud Light or playing softball or bowling or going to the bar. And, and, you know, that that's the market. I mean, that, that is your market. Your market is not going to be transformed into some woke market because you give a can of Bud Light to a, to a, a, a transgender individual. It's just not going to happen. I mean, that would be, if that were the case, then you'd see a lot more of that. And, and you just don't because markets are predefined. <laughs> because to a large it'll lose extent. you $6 billion. Yeah. It'll lose you $6 billion. It'll put you on permanent leave of absence, which I guess is a good thing um, for this um, Alyssa Hershendelt. But um, yeah, so uh, again, three exits. And I think also Dylan, um, this Dylan um, Mulvaney is also on a leave of absence, but I believe he she, he got paid. I believe, if I understand correctly. Of course he did. Uh, what's yeah. going on? Uh, next, Brad, RIP Harry Belafonte. He made it 96 years. He was oh, the uh, singer of the Banana Boat yes. song. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was obviously a civil rights activist. I always got him confused 
was Sidney Poitier because they both had these French names and were very elegant. I suppose I, you know, that's not controversial. Maybe you could say that, right? But I don't think Sidney Poitier had the singing voice. But Harry Belafonte, a very um, uh, well respected, very liberal uh, singer, dead. And every time I hear the Banana Boat song, I think of uh, Sidney Poitier. I mean, Harry Belafonte. You probably think of them both. And then you wrestle within your mind as to which one you should be yeah. thinking of. Sidney Poitier was in some good movies, some good detective movies that I remember watching probably from the 80s and 90s. I don't know that Harry Belafonte was ever in any good detective movies, but the Banana Song is good stuff. Isn't he also the one? Um, well, he was an activist, yeah, so I guess he probably... You know, he would uh, get himself in some hot water on occasion. 96, though, that is a good, hot. That's a good, hot uh, run. run. Yeah. Next, Brad, we always like to give people advice on uh, summer travel. Indeed. Uh, because pe- summer travel season's coming up. You and I will be in the, um, in the uh, mid-Atlantic region, the home of uh, one nature boy, Ric Flair. Uh, at some point early in the summer, but uh, late, late in the spring. Uh, but uh, there is a big event this summer in France that I know you and I are talking about attending. This is a new exhibit at the MacLyon Museum of Contemporary Art in Lyon, France. And so this uh, new exhibit is uh, being launched later this week. It's going to go for several weeks, and it is a an exhibition uh, related to contemporary art, contemporary art uh, that has a theme of nakedness, nakedness. So when you go to this French art venue, mm-hmm. you as a visitor, if you want to get in, if you want to get in, will be forced to remove all of your clothing. <laughs> the, yeah. uh, as you know, Frederick Martin, Frederick Martin, the chairman of the Lyon Institute for uh, art uh, mm-hmm. said, and I quote, it's interesting to experience an ex- exhibition totally naked. That <laughs> makes us focus on our own perception of ourselves with a social artifice. So there it is. Um, I think well, you and I still need to make this decision. We're not there yet. Yeah. Well, it would also make you focus on, you know, any drafts in the room would become almost immediately apparent. It'll be a little oh, yeah. chill. I'm not there. I'm not. Yeah. I, well, buddy, I, listen, I mean, let's be honest. No one wants to see either you or I naked. No one wants it. We'll just come right out and say it. And I would throw 99.8% of all humanity into that same category. The vast majority of people that I see walking down the street on any given day to include people that I love and are dear to me, I I don't want to see them naked. It's not, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be, you know, something you remember fondly. And so I can't imagine that walking through any structure to include an art gallery where everyone in there is a sort of au natural is just going to be an appetizing thing to do with your with your free time. So, I, yeah, I would say that neither you nor I are likely to do that. Even if I were to be allowed in clothed, I wouldn't do it. Because yeah. my guess is going to be that the vast majority of folks in there, I don't want to see naked. So it'll, you know what, buddy, we should keep an eye on this because it'll be interesting to see whether anyone goes to the, to the uh, display, whatever you call it. You have to be very comfortable in your own skin to go to you something do. like this. I don't even know if the art's going to be worthwhile or, or if they're going to be snacks. And if there are snacks, 
Well, I mean, you're going to just walk around eating a snack completely au naturel? No, I don't think so. No, and anyone I, that's going to be there naked, you don't want to be around. That's correct. You don't want to be around. Yeah, be around. No, that's, mm, yeah. that's a good discriminator, actually. That's something that we could put uh, on the uh, little questionnaire that we give folks who are petitioning to be part of our studio audiences. Have you been to Mac Leon's House of Nudity? And if the answer is yes, you're out. I'm sorry. And frankly, I, I might expand that to any you know, sort of house of nudity, nude beach, uh, et cetera. And uh, if, if that's your thing, then yeah, I'm sorry. You're, you're probably a nice person, but you cannot be in the studio audience. Uh, now, uh, Brad, also a uh, little, little segue here. Um, you know, we had spent a lot of time, I think years talking about the COVID deal, U.S. COVID deaths. And, and uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, at one point spent a lot of time on that. Uh, it is now uh, there are now people who are saying, even though you can't really get it out of the government, although Biden said it a few weeks ago, that covid deaths are at record lows. They are they are now more people are killing are being killed by fentanyl than covid uh, oh, on a weekly a basis. Long just, shot. Yeah. And they, these are just recorded cases. Right. They, yeah, and right. So, um, you know, there there were they're down to about 100 deaths a day in 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 covid at this point, which is just incredibly low. So it seems like at least the CDC who's rolling out these numbers is uh, telling us that we can now go back to our normal lives. So you and I, I think it's now time for you and I to stop with the mask wearing, the social Mm -hmm. distancing, uh, and maybe embrace something like this Museum de Naked Lyon and go there and, uh, you know, have a few pops and, and just, uh, you know, just relax. Yeah, it is astounding to me that anyone is counting COVID deaths at this point or talks about it or has any concern for it. I mean, they were always grossly and radically overinflated, right? I mean, they just, they, they were just, uh, and someone's going to do a study and, and it's going to come out, but by then, you know, it'll just be some, you know, it'll be published in some academic journal and maybe it'll get, you know, two minutes coverage on some news station somewhere that, hey, you know, the, the number of COVID deaths was never what we thought it was, that it was amazingly poorly handled, that way too many people put on ventilators, which is oftentimes a death, death sentence in and of itself, and you know, never should have been used like it was. It, it just killed I mean, just as an aside to that, it just kills me that the reason we started putting people on ventilators is because the Chinese said that was the best thing to do. Yeah. I mean, we just have to be the biggest pack of idiots ever with respect to how we approached COVID. And it's going to come out that that was, it was all just a tempest in a teapot. And it takes a set of chops at the CDC to still be acting like it's material. I mean, if there are a hundred people a day dying of, or with more likely COVID, I mean, more people being killed in car accidents, you know, more people being eaten by bears than are being killed by COVID. Who cares? Cocaine bears and at that cocaine yeah, bears. Exactly. Uh, but li- listen, uh, you you may disparage the CDC and and basically say we're run by a bunch of uh, you know morons or idiots or whatever the the term may be. But the good news, Brad, is that President Biden has now come out and said uh, he's made it official. He is uh, he had a three minute campaign video that was released this week mm. uh, where he said, "quote Let's finish the job." End quote. Uh, he uh, included footage from January 6th, uh, the sedition, um, the uh, and then abortion protests across the country. Uh, he confirmed that he once again will be running 
with Kamala uh, as his running mate and that uh, Joe Biden is uh, a candidate for re-election. He's 80 years old. He's running again. The video that he produced attacked Trump and uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and, and Ron DeSantis. And he is promising that he will, quote, unquote, finish the job that he and Kamala started way back in uh, uh, 2021. And, um, you know, he is a candidate for re-election. It looks like uh, we are on the path to uh, uh, Trump, Biden, duh, do. Yeah, great. Do. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what America needs. I mean, I, buddy, I, in order to finish the job, you got to have a couple of things, right? I think. One, you have to have a defined job, right? You have to sort of know what you're trying to do. And no one in that administration knows what they're trying to do. And then B, if you have the defined job, you, you have to start it. You know, one of the things that I'm relatively confident of is, is that if you're going to finish something, you have to first begin it. And so since they have neither a defined job they are trying to do and therefore cannot have started it, it won't be impossible for them to finish it. But I, I tell you what, it's a ball. It's a ballsy move. I don't know who's running. It's not Joe Biden. Right? I mean, Joe Biden does not dress himself. He does not decide what he's going to eat. He certainly doesn't understand the speeches that are prepared for him because he bumbles his way through them at all times. And when he is allowed to speak on his own recognizance, it's unintelligible. And the parts <clears throat> that are intelligible are alarming. So it's clearly not Joe Biden who is is running the show, but whoever is. It is a ballsy move to run Biden and Kamala again, right? I mean, they, the, the two of them, I mean, just you could make, if you're running against them, either as a Democrat in the primary or eventually as a Republican in the national race, you, you don't ever have to appear on your own campaign ads. You can just run clip after clip after clip after clip after clip of those two chuckleheads just saying the dumbest stuff. And then just put Biden, Harris, 24 question mark at the end of it. And, and that's it, right? You're done. You win. So, I, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting how, to see how that plays out. Well, you know, you know what's so we're probably going to get if you if you look at the polls today, you're going to get Biden, uh, Trump again. Trump is way ahead in the Republican primaries and, uh, and things change, but that's where you are now. Uh, and Biden is his primary uh, opponent in the Democratic primaries is uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. who had that big MILF rollout a couple of weeks ago in yeah. uh, in Boston. And so, and, and, and interestingly enough, um, uh, Kennedy's at like fourteen percent. He's never held office before. Primarily, just uh, worked in the private sector and other things. Um, but the the Democrats who could potentially challenge Biden who are younger. Yeah, are are not are not entering the race. And so, you know, we're careening again. I say this all the time, but we're careening again towards another Trump Biden race where, you know, you you look at those two candidates. Right. And uh, recent polling has said that 70 percent uh, of Democrats do not think Biden should run again. Twenty something percent think that he should. And then, um, you know, when people are asked if they want um Biden Trump two, literally 94% of respondents in a in a uh, nonpartisan poll, 
4% say they do not want that. 6%, 6 say they want that. Um, and but But then you start peeling back, okay, when you look at this specific opponent, will Biden win? Yes. When you look at Trump in the primary, Trump has 50 to 60% of the Republican primary voters seemingly, at least for now, locked up. So um, it, it just seems to me that we're unfortunately headed in that direction. And that's not a good direction to be headed in because there's no policy underpinning either of these two. It's always, I'm not the other guy. And whoever you end up with, it's sort of four more years of being in this stagnant period where you're going to have nothing, no compromise, just a tax. You're going to have these debt ceiling um, uh, issues just continue to pop up. You're going to have contentious confirmation hearings. You're going to have things like the Russia investigation, the Hunter Biden laptop, you know, the the sedition stuff. I mean, it's just going to go on and on. And and, and the question is, where does it end and how does it end? And I, I mean, hopefully it ends with some Republican other than Trump getting the nomination that can go into a race and really beat down Biden on policy grounds and get a working majority or a coalition or or whatever. But the odds of that actually happening, probably not that great. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I mean, you know, unless one of those guys is excuse me, eliminated from being able to run for one reason or another. Either they do something so damn dumb that, you know, they, they just have to sort of fade away or, you know, there's a health issue or, or something like that. I, I think you're probably right. I mean, it's interesting. It, you know, if you were a pollster or a statistician, it would be interesting to get behind that a little bit more and say, well, if, if 94% of people don't want that to happen? Why is this strain appear to be just, you know, as you say, careening down the tracks in, in only one direction, right? I mean, do people say, I don't want it, but I, I don't see any way out of it. You know, if I'm on the democratic side, you know, the only guy I can vote for is Joe Biden. And if I'm on the Republican side, the only guy I can vote for is, is Donald Trump. I mean, how do we, how do you have 96% of people saying, I don't want to go to that town and then a hundred percent of us wind up in that town. Like, how, how does that happen? And uh, you, you know, it's just—I guess it tells you all you need to know that those are the only two guys people feel like they can vote for. You can't vote for either one of those guys. I would not let either one of those guys represent me in any capacity. I, I wouldn't let them, you know, drive my car. I would not let them teach in my children's schools. I well, would couldn't not drive them... your car. I mean, my God, neither one of them. Have... Certainly Biden can't drive a car. Are you nuts? No. Well, yeah. Well, and I, I imagine Trump never drives a car, right? I mean, he has to be driven around wherever he goes. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's just you look at that and, and you and I are not, you know, I mean, we're, we're obviously, you know, certainly more right than left leaning. We're middle aged. I mean, we don't we're not representative of the average man. I wouldn't guess. But neither you nor I want either of those guys to be nominees. We don't want to vote for either of them. And I and, and apparently 94% of America doesn't want to either, but that's where we're going. That's bizarre. That's where we're headed. Yeah. I mean, imagine that. Imagine that 6% want the want the, the whole thing redone. Well, that six percent just wants it for the entertainment value, right? I mean, they they're not they're not saying no, 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 you know, this will be good for America. I mean, they're just looking at this and going, well, hell, you know, I mean, if I gotta watch political commercials, I want to watch that. Yeah, that's what well, Hunter's doing. off the air. They're saying Hunter's off the air. Now I need something to entertain me. This is what I this is where I'm going. I want yeah. this. Yeah, it's a it's um it's interesting. And then of course, at the same time, Biden and Biden's going through all the stuff with the, the kids' laptop and the kids trying to dodge service of a subpoena. And uh, you know, it came out this past week that the current Secretary of State 
is the person that engineered that uh, Biden letter saying yeah, that that crazy. laptop was Russian disinformation. I mean, it's just absolutely insane. And then the flip side of this is Trump today is uh, is this week is headed to uh, trial in his civil rape civil rape lawsuit. So um, this is the this is the woman that said he attacked her in a department store in the 1990s. So again. You know, this is what you've got on the left. This is what you've got on the right. And they're a little bit preoccupied now with the rape trial and the, uh, um, you know, the made up um, uh, foreign Russian collusion thing about the the under Biden laptop. Uh, But as soon as they are free and clear of that, uh, they can focus on the election and really what matters to you and me. Yeah, to the American people. Once we get skirt around this little issue of a rape, skirt around this little issue of. (laughs) you know, just selling America out to the Chinese and the Russians, um, then we can get down to, you know, taking care of, uh, of, of, you know, mom and dad, America, you know, you know, who's looking better and better. Anyone. King Charles is looking better and better. King you Charles, know, he, he, he is over here, dust him off. Yeah. Well, buddy, I mean, that, that is the one guy who, you know, is coming out on top here because he is just a reprehensible human being. And yet, Compared to the current president of the United States and the once, you know, previous president of the United States, who looks like he's going to run and and you know be the nominee on the Republican side for that office again, Charles, you know, he comes out smelling like a rose. Looks like a good dude. Looks like the guy you'd want as your next door neighbor. Yeah, and and certainly if you're going to take a trip to Bangkok with any of them, it's Prince Charles. Yeah, if you're going to spend one night in Bangkok with a you know meaningful political figure. These days, it, it, certainly between those three, it is going to be King Charles, who is yet another guy, buddy, who means business and pees frequently. And it is my understanding, listens religiously to this podcast. So you know where he will be again next week. He'll be listening to IP Frequently. This has been IP Frequently. Once again, clearing a forest of lies with the machete of truth. You're welcome.